James chapter 3, we'll read uh, verses 1 through 12 before we uh, look at the lesson this morning. We're going to be talking about taming the tongue, part 2. Yesterday, or last week was so good, I figured you guys want round 2. I don't know, you guys probably think this guy mumbles up there and can't wait for him to be done, but... Uh, Anyway, we'll, we'll finish up the latter part of this, this portion of the chapter here today, uh, hopefully. I do have some other thoughts, and so Lord willing, we'll be done, but we, we may come and re-engage some of these verses uh, next week. We'll just pray about that and see what the Lord has. But let's begin by reading verses 1 through 12. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very uh, small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather here today. I pray that each one would make the most of it. Lord, that we would be attentive to your word and, Lord, make application in our lives. And, Father, we just pray that you would be preeminent in all of it. Bless the children downstairs and the teens, uh, Lord, really all the folks throughout this facility that you do work in our midst uh, through the studying of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we uh, looked at a few things on uh, controlling our tongues, and uh, if we can control our uh, tongue, we can oftentimes, that's a demonstration that we're in control of our bodies, Um, and uh, typically uh, what is expressed verbally uh, is an indicator of what's taking place on the inner inward man in the heart. And uh, we talked a little bit about using the, our words unselfishly, uh, carefully, and, and really beneficially to benefit others uh, rather than to tear folks down. And uh, a horse without a bridle and a ship without a helm or a rudder uh, really have no control. They're just out of control. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen wild horses. I know we used to go to Wyoming. Uh, we'd travel to see Cindy's family there in Green River, and there were those ranges where they're just wild horses, and they're just running around, and uh, really no control. There's all that power and all that potential, but it's not being harnessed and used uh, for anything useful, really. Um, and so we need those bridles to control that. And, uh, but as we continue today, we're going to look at a couple more things, uh, uh, how our tongues are powerful, uh, they're hurtful, and then again, how they're revealing. Oftentimes, 
we don't like to admit how revealing our words are of our inward man. Uh, I know there have been times where I've said something and I thought, I can't believe I said that. But then I stop and think that came from somewhere. And so we have to deal with that root issue in order to change what's coming out of our mouth. Um, and so the first thing this morning, our tongues are powerful. Uh, look at uh, verses or verse 3, the latter part of verse 3. It says, uh, <clears throat> Behold, or the latter part, it says that they may obey us. And it says this, And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which through... Uh, though they be so great, these are the wrong verses. I got something messed up here. Sorry, verse 5. Uh, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little, fire, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. And, and so we see how great a matter this little, little fire kindleth. And uh, when you think about comparing our tongues to the potential danger of a small fire, and I know in this part of the country, uh, it seems like every year there's some type of a fire ban. And one of the things that I do not like about the Black Hills Forest is you can't have a fire unless you're in a campground with a campering. Back home, you just let it roar wherever you want because um, they get so much more rain than, than here. Uh, but it's wise to keep that fire small, I understand it. Um, but when we think of a small fire and the great damage it can do, uh, anybody familiar with the Great Chicago Fire, as they call it? I know most everybody's probably heard of that, but on a Sunday in uh, October the 8th in 1871, uh, the fire that we commonly know as the Great Chicago Fire uh, was reportedly started in a small barn, uh, in a barn. Uh, when a cow kicked over a, a, a small candle or a lantern. And I, I did some Googles. And uh, there's other stories. Some would even say a meteor hit. And, uh, but uh, uh, I, I think likely that this is a credible uh, source of the fire. That a cow kicks over this little one-inch flame. And you think of that small little flame. And as that fire grew and grew, it destroyed 17,000 buildings or facilities, uh, a bunch of, of buildings. And they're estimating that 100,000 people were left homeless because of that little flame. And 200 to three, 250 to 300 folks is what I came across uh, perished in that fire. But it was just a small flame, just a little flame. You ever seen a candle, a lantern wick? with the flame on that thing, no more bigger than that. But the destruction that it left when it was out of control. They lost control of that flame, uh, and no doubt a lot of the construction in the day, 1871, was lumber, uh, a lot of wood construction, and uh, our tongues, like a fire, when out of control, can set an entire community ablaze. Think of churches that have been destroyed. Because somebody didn't control their tongue. They said what was on their mind. Uh, how dangerous can that be? Uh, we would do well to remember Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Boy, there's no lack of sin 
when there's a multitude of words just spewing out. Uh, Pastor Dan Carr uh, down in, uh, I think he's in Gulfport, not Biloxi, Gulfport, Mississippi. He does this thing. Uh, I can't remember his wife's name, but Cindy and his wife would always be, and he would like, it's time to go. <laughs> and uh, listen, uh, oftentimes in a multitude of words, uh, there's nothing good being said. Uh, because the latter part of that verse says, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Uh, sometimes we need to refrain from speaking what's on our mind, from saying those things. Matthew Henry, uh, he gives some commentary on Proverbs 10.19. It says this, usually those that speak much or usually those that speak much speak much amiss. And among many words, there cannot but be many idle words, which they must shortly give an account of. And if you remember back to last week, don't forget that we will give an account of every idle word, the Word of God tells us. And so there's wisdom in refraining from opening our mouth and, and using our tongue. Uh, slow to speak we looked at a few weeks ago and and oftentimes sometimes we just need to be slow to speak because we can realize we don't need to say anything well and it will give us the chance to think about the right thing to say and and to use our words wisely be slow to speak the damage that can be done by an untamed tongue is staggering i think back of different examples that i've seen in my christian life and and even in, in in the secular workplace you can see what the tongue can do and uh, there's a man at work that uh, him and I got in a public verbal altercation. He confronted me about something. And, and so the, here I am in the military. I wear the uniform. I'm in charge of a, 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 the largest section in my squadron, actually. But um, <clears throat> So I have the most people that work for me in my entire squadron. Mind you, this person works within my section. And he confronts me about something that he thought needed done. And I said, we're not doing that. I said, that's not how this is going to work. And, and uh, he said, well, you wear that green suit because you work for me. And I was like, You're, I don't work for you. And I said, we're done talking. And I just, I just left it at that. That was two, two years ago, maybe three now. It was before I went to Saudi Arabia. And so I would try to talk to that man. And try to befriend him and be nice and cordial to him. Because I really have no issue with him. He's an abrasive type and he, he can be a difficult person. Uh, but I had nothing personal against him. And, uh, well, here now, just a week ago, he meets Caleb DeGarmo at Outdoor Recreation. He goes over to Outdoor Rec and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, the DeGarmo name is pretty... There's only three DeGarmos on base for the most part. And, and, uh, and so he kind of links this up. Hey, this is this guy's son. And, and I, him and Caleb had a great conversation, um, very pleasant. And that day he came back and he came to my office. And he was the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And I have to think only that because I refrained from saying some things that I wanted to say because I was not going to be nice and kind to him in that previous altercation. And that is probably the, one of the few examples I have where I did the right thing. <laughs> but I'm thankful for it. Because Caleb helped me out. But my desire is to be a witness to these folks. 
but listen, if I'm not even talking to him at work, it's hard to be a witness. And so I'm thankful that that relationship has been mended a little bit. And, and hopefully I'll have opportunity to witness to him. But listen, we need to control our tongues and refrain. We, we can't just let things go out of control. Or it'll be like that Chicago fire. Because I've seen it with him and a, and a few other guys that work in his section. They kind of, we call it the snake pit. Uh, they're just the old cantankerous guys, all retired master sergeants. They just, something happens when you retire as a master sergeant and go work in civil service. Uh, and they're, they're just the most difficult group. But what I've found is a soft answer turneth away wrath. And, and I'm sharing all this to tell you this morning is the principles of the word of God work. We might not realize it immediately. We might not realize it in a week or two weeks. And we're definitely usually not going to realize it in the timing that we would prefer. But if we would do well to take heed to the word of God and make application of it in our life and conduct ourselves accordingly, God will work those things out. Uh, and we'll be on the right side of an argument. Uh, listen, hasty words spoken anger can ruin marriages. If we're not careful in our marriages, we can say some very hurtful things. Things that sometimes we don't necessarily even mean, it seems like. But because we know it will, that spear will pierce the heart, we can say something. And men, listen, I'll just give you some advice. If women, don't forget those words. Uh, forgiveness, we, I mean, you can reconcile after a disagreement, but uh, those words remain. I don't know what it is about women in their minds and the way they process those things, but they remember those things. And listen, the devil will use those things when they're struggling or they're having a hard time. And, oh, I remember when this happened and these things were said and this. And, and so listen, don't give the evil one, don't give the devil the opportunity to have a foothold on your wife because you have a loose lip. Refrain. Keep your mouth shut. Careless words of criticisms to a child. Uh, things like, can't you do anything right? Sure they can. But when we're being critical, oftentimes we're only focused on the negative. And we need to be careful about those things because those words go down into the inner parts of the belly. And they're, they're hurtful. And uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. I don't care what you learned in elementary school playground. It's a lie. Those words will hurt. I'm rubber and you're glue. It bounces off me and sticks to you as baloney. Right? Those words penetrate into people's minds and their heart. And it affects how they respond. If it wasn't true, then the word of God wouldn't tell us a soft answer turneth away wrath and and to be slow to speak. We wouldn't have all these admonitions in God's word to control our vo voice or our tongue if our words had no power. But the reality is they do. Uh, and, in, and in James here, we, he shows us just how destructive it can be. A fire just burning and raging. The Chicago fire burned for, I think, two days before they had it under control and contained. 
Uh, I mean, I, I can't even imagine a fire that large, 17,000 buildings. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's like a forest fire. And when you think about it, uh, it just I, I don't know the geographic area that it covered, but we need to be very careful. Uh, we don't want to hurt folks. Uh, just a thoughtless statement during a church gathering can start a fire that can destroy the fellowship of a church. Say something quick out of frustration or criticism. Listen, we're here to edify and to encourage and build each other up. But unfortunately, we can look at examples in churches where people say stupid things and it breaks down the fellowship. Uh, Be careful with how you use your words. Careless words of criticism and gossip spread destruction and hurt like that fire out of control. Whether it's a wildfire or Chicago. And uh, Proverbs in, verse, in chapter 26 gives us a little insight and damage control maybe of the tongue. Proverbs 26, 20 says this, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. And so I... I if you're not a tailbearer, the things see, if you just keep your mouth shut, things will, will stop, right? There's no fuel there. Um, but Clark mentioned this, and I thought this would be worth noting, because it's not just the messenger. There's somebody on the receiving end of that, right? And oftentimes we're quick to receive that juicy gossip or that juicy tailbearing information. Uh, Clark says this, where no wood is, there the fire go without. The tail receiver and the tail bearer are the agents of discord. Did you get that? Both parties, right? If you're willing to listen to this stuff, uh, and obviously if you're the one spreading it, if none received the slander in the first instance, it could not be propagated. Right? If you didn't even receive, hey, I'm, I'm going to listen to this. I don't want anything to do with this. It, it can't go anywhere. It cannot be propagated. Hence, our proverb, the receiver is as bad as the thief, in quotes. And our laws treat them equally. For the receiver of stolen goods, knowing them to be stolen, is hanged, as well as he who stole them. The hearer has a responsibility in addition to the messenger. But this morning we're focused on our tongues and and, and the messenger part of this. We we can talk about the receiver bit uh, for, for quite a while if we wanted to as well. But listen, we could put an end to much if we would stop talking about those things, but even if we would just stop listening to them. Uh, we could put a stop to it. And, and you can do it in a kind way. So I don't, I'm not interested in that. You know, that's, that's not very edifying. Uh, let's keep the, the discussion positive. You know, or in sincerity and truth, say, hey, let's pray that there would be resolution to this situation. Right? Don't bring it up so you can pray about it, right? Because we know that that's the, the spiritual way to gossip. But if you're on the receiving end of it, say, hey, that's not right. Let's, let's pray. Uh, we might flip the script a little bit. <clears throat> but you know what? The reality is the devil uh, often makes sure that, that every church has a verbal arsonist. He's got somebody in every church, it seems like, who uh, is there to use their words to wreck friendships 
in, in the fellowship. And James writes in, in chapter, or verse 6, the first part of that verse, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. <clears throat> our tongues are potential world of iniquity because they can do all kinds of damage. In a few seconds, our tongues can destroy relationships that took years to build. Unfortunately, I've seen that. Uh, people that had a relationship over a decade, two decades even, and a sharp word was said, and then a discussion gets contentious. And today they don't even speak to each other. And it was really a foolish disagreement to begin with. Uh, nothing substantial. Nothing that we need, would need to break fellowship over. Uh, but oftentimes, because of our pride, we refuse to admit that we're wrong. Uh, we need to be very careful about our words. <clears throat> our words are like a fire. The damage can't be reversed. Have you ever seen a pile of ashes? Men and boys is coming up here in a couple weeks. There will be plenty of ash piles in the fire pits. I have not successfully figured out how to pick up those ashes and to turn them back into a log. If you know how, let me know. But I haven't figured it out. And so when we say something and it ignites a flame or a fire, that can't be reversed. And I understand restoration and, and forgiveness and those things, but our minds have a hard time letting things go sometimes. And so even though when we restore fellowship, it's not necessarily like it could have been if we would have watched our tongue. So be careful. <clears throat> James here, he uh, traces the inflammatory nature of our tongues back to the source. In verse 6, in, in the latter part of that verse, set on fire of hell, the inflaming words come from the influence of hell. Uh, for an example, uh, and this is probably <clears throat> an easy example for me to get, give because I've experienced it in my home. So a husband comes home and He's tired, maybe a little grumpy. He dealt with those difficult employees I was telling you about all day. And uh, he's in a bad mood. You know, he walks in and he yells at his wife. And I'm not saying you have to scream at him, but your tone, or maybe what you say, uh, really what you say and how you say it. And So the wife, she's been home all day in a good mood. But she responds back sharply. And the next thing you know, you got both parents screaming at the kids. Why can't you do anything right? Your room's never clean. I told you to change the oil. Why is the lawn not mowed? Whatever the case may be. You insert whatever you said. Because if I have to happen, this happened to me. I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room. You guys are awfully quiet today, so maybe I am the only one. <laughs> Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. Listen, our tongues are immensely powerful. And we need to remember to use them wisely. 
we can use words that can bring pain and destruction like a sword. Or we can use our words wisely and they can be comforting and healing if we would use them wisely. Our tongues are hurtful. Look at verse 7. James kind of shifts, uh, kind of, he was, I focus on the power of the tongue there and how it can start a fire. Um, <clears throat> but in verse 7, it talks about, uh, for every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Anyone been to a circus? A zoo? Um, if you've been to those places, uh, <clears throat> I haven't been to bear country here. I don't, do they teach the bears to do anything here or do they just roam around? I haven't been there yet. Um, <clears throat> but you go to these places and, and you see lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? But you see, you know, lions, tigers, elephants, snakes, all these kind of creatures and, and things that have been trained to do different tricks, you know, seals are known for doing their tricks, and, and uh, it's pretty interesting. I've been to SeaWorld, and the largest creatures of the sea, they got these whistles, and they're doing, they got these animals doing crazy things. They've tamed them. They've trained them. Uh, it's pretty impressive when you think about it. I mean, I don't, I don't know the first thing. I've been around elephants a few times, and I went to Thailand, and, you know, the elephants are pretty prominent there, and uh, you see these things, and they're massive. I'm not the type of person that gets involved in training and teaching them. That's just not me. I don't know how people do that. I, I don't know who the first guy is. You know, there's a lion. Come on over here, kitty, kitty. I don't know how that happens, but it does nonetheless, right? There's people that are far more intelligent than me that can figure out how to, I don't know, maybe they're the animal whispers. I'm not sure how it happens, but um, listen, the reality is we, as Mankind has a great ability to tame animals. And I understand the principles uh, in Genesis. Uh, God's given us dominion over those things. Um, But we see all these creatures performing amazing feats. We've tamed the largest and most dangerous of animals. These guys messing with those snakes, they're crazy. Something's not right in their mind. (laughs) The only way I play with a snake is with a shotgun. But... um, they tame these things. But verse 8 in James 3.8, but the tongue can no man tame. You will not be able to get a hold of your tongue on your own. Right. And we're not going to get through this lesson this morning, so I'm going to have to find a place to quit here. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Just accept that as reality. Now, James, he continues, or he doesn't say that the tongue cannot be tamed. But he says, a man's not going to tame it. You're not going to get a hold of that thing on your own. Uh, Man or woman. We can't do it. We need God's help. As we try to tame our untamable tongue, we need to remember in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So we can't do it on our own. So accept it. And what I've found in my life, 
in the Apostle Paul, I believe, found it to be true as well. Um, but when I understand that I have a weakness, it causes me to lean on Christ more in that area. Now, the spiritual people would say, well, we ought to do that in all areas. And I get it. You've arrived. I'm not quite there yet. And so I still have things I have to work on. But if I would identify an area of my life that I struggle, it helps me because then I know I need the Lord more in that area. So I can focus my prayer time a little bit for the Lord's help there. I can focus maybe some Bible study, some scripture that would help me renew myself in that area. Uh, Listen this morning, you have a weak area. It's your tongue. You can't tame it. So what I'm telling you this morning is don't try to do it on your own. I'm getting ahead of my notes. I'm going to have to figure out how to pick this up next week. But um, Goodness, I got two pages of notes yet. But um, listen, you can't do it. So look to God. We tend to make excuses for the things that we say. That ought not be the case. James goes on in verse 8. It says, it's an unruly evil. The word unruly means unrestrainable and it is like a wild animal that continually breaks out of a cage. I've found that to be true in my life. If I try to tame this thing, if I try to cage this thing up in my own power, boy, it's like that dog that I don't know how it does, but it keeps getting out of the kennel. What in the world? We had a dog. She would take the, we locked her in the backyard. We left the back windows open. She took the screen off, set it next to the house, no damage. And when we got home, she was in the house. It was almost like somebody came over, opened the screen, set it down and let her in and then left. It made us think she did it. It was unbelievable. Listen, our tongues are untamable. In our own power. It's unruly. An unruly evil. Uh, Full of deadly poison. The word poison uh, has the idea here of venom and it refers to the poison of a snake. Uh, Our words can be dangerous and deadly as the venom of a king cobra. And when you think about a snake bite, uh, that bite is for a moment. But it causes suffering and, and death long after the bite. That, that venom goes in there, uh, that poison is there, and it stays. Uh, and when you look at it, it's just a small amount of venom. But uh, the decaying flesh and the, the swollenness and just the destruction that that venom causes, similar of our tongues in the damage it does to relationships and to reputations, uh, our tongues can be a deadly weapon. They're unruly, uh, an unruly evil. When we see the word poison on a container, what do we do with it? We put it in a safe place, right? You know, you don't put that on the bottom shelf for the kindergartners, right? You don't want them sucking down some poison. Uh, We're very careful with poison. We don't want somebody to carelessly or accidentally ingest that stuff. Uh, We need to be as careful with our tongues as we are with Deadly poison. Uh, 
We should pray that our words would be like, or would, that our words would line up with Proverbs 8.8. 8. <clears throat> All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. Boy, is that your testimony? Nothing froward or perverse? Don't make excuses for the hurtful things you said, right? Someone needed to tell that person that. I just had to get it off my chest. I got a short fuse. Uh, Don't make up excuses. Sometimes our culture, our perverted culture, encourages us to speak hurtful ways, uh, giving no thought to the cruel or the deadly impact of our words. Uh, We ought not fall in line with the culture. So we're going to close with this thought. So regardless of what's acceptable in our culture or what even we have accepted in our past, and in James, when we talk about this faith that works, right? A faith that works will only speak what is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Remember, your words can be very hurtful But as Christians, that ought not be so. We must understand how damaging and hurtful our words can be and be careful to use them to edify. And next week, I'll hopefully wrap up with, as I said, you can't tame it on yourself, right? On your own. And so we'll look at a thought about how we can have the Lord's help in that matter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless it. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us with our tongue. I pray that we would use it wisely and that we would use our words in a way that would honor and glorify you. And Lord, that we'd be edifying and ministering grace always. Bless now as we move into the morning service. We pray that you bless the preacher. Lord, fill him with the Spirit. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would have free course this morning and that you would strengthen believers, Lord, and challenge the lost. Lord, and help them to understand their need of a Savior. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, if there's anybody here today, this morning, without Christ, Lord, that they would turn to Him for salvation. And Lord, we'll give you the thanks for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.